Welcome to NBA Talk with Isaac Wolf. I am your host, Isaac Wolf. First of all, prayers up to Dak Prescott going down with that gruesome ankle injury. Hopefully, he has a speedy recovery. He underwent successful surgery Sunday night on an ankle that suffered a compound fracture and dislocation. It was very similar to Gordon Hayward's. His recovery timeline is about four to six months, so his season is done. As if the Cowboys were headed in the wrong direction anyway. Well, they weren't really headed in the wrong directions. They were just playing very, very poorly. They lose their starting quarterback, so that sucks. But we'll see what what Andy Dalton can do. Second of all, concerning the Sunday night game, why would the Minnesota Vikings go for that? He has to, I understand, it's fourth and inches. But Dalvin Cook is injured. You don't have him. I don't care if Alexander Madison has 112 yards. I, you, you, you just can't, you can't do that when a field goal puts you up by eight. And especially, I mean, if you're going for it on fourth and inches, the defense can likely predict a run on such a short distance. I mean, if you, if you were going to go for it, throw the football as ridiculous as it sounds. You have Adam Thielen, you have Justin Jefferson, you have Kyle Rudolph. You're going against the worst pass defense in the NFL and you run it. You shouldn't have even gone for it. If you kick the field goal, you go up by eight, 29 to 21 and force Seattle to get a two point conversion, which they attempted and failed anyway on the game winning drive. I mean, it's a very head scratching move by Mike Zimmer, Gary Kubiak in this offense. But also how about Russell Wilson? Two fourth down conversions, driving 94 yards on the game-winning drive after the defense got the stop on fourth and one, fourth and inches. He's the MVP so far this season. It's unanimous to me. And yes, we had this same conversation around this time last year before Lamar Jackson went crazy. So there's still certainly plenty of time for someone else to close the gap or even pass Russ for MVP. But right now, with the Seahawks at 5-0, it's an easy choice for me. And then the Monday night game was exciting and disappointing at the same time. I'm glad Anthony Lynn made the decision to start Justin Herbert from here on out. I think he should have from the beginning, and he's proving that he deserved that starting spot. Because remember, in week one, Tyrod Taylor, the veteran, got the starting job. And then week two, just about five to ten minutes before kickoff, Justin Herbert got news that he was going to start because a team doctor punctured Tyrod Taylor's lungs while giving him a painkilling injection. And so that is how Justin Herbert found out he was going to start for the first time in his NFL career against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs, which they almost they almost won that game, by the way. But last night against the Saints, 264 passing yards, four touchdowns, they should have won. If it wasn't for the dang kicker Badgley missing the extra point at the beginning of the game, then the 50-yard field goal off the post after a spectacular catch by Mike Williams from Herbert late in the fourth quarter. It, it was exciting because, because it was a good comeback by New Orleans, but I really wanted to see Herbert upset the legend breeze. It didn't happen, but it wasn't his fault. So if you can't tell, if you haven't been able to tell yet, I do like talking about the NFL as well. So I might throw in some NFL news here and there, but we got a lot of NBA to talk about. Why? Because a champion was crowned in game six. Why, why couldn't the Lakers have just closed out in game five? Like that was the least exciting finals game I've watched since 2018 when the Warriors blew out the Cavs in four straight games. I mean, it was boring. The Lakers were up by 36 at one point in the third quarter. 36! It just wasn't interesting after the first. But give credit to Frank Vogel and the Lakers for making some big-time adjustments on the defensive end because Jimmy Butler only took 10 shots in 44 minutes. He was ineffective. Bam Adebayo was the only one who really did anything. 25 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. But Duncan Robinson, 10 points, 3 of 8 from the field. Tyler Hero, 7 points. Jay Crowder shot seven, for, or excuse me, 3 for 9. Grund Rogic simply wasn't himself. 
I don't think bringing him back was the best idea because the Heat found a rhythm offensively when he was out. It was get the ball to Jimmy Butler and get the shooters open. And that's what they did in game five, and that's why they won it. But Dragic coming back through the offense out of rhythm. It added an extra shot creator that they had to make space for on the floor, and it just didn't work out. Now, when they were playing without him through the, through the earlier rounds, it was great because they knew what they were doing, but they just couldn't adjust smoothly enough in quick enough time for it to work in game six, and I think I think it hurt them. So the final score was 106 to 93, but it was much worse than that for almost the entire game. LeBron James named finals MVP. Averaged 29.8 points, 11.8 rebounds, 8.5 assists, while shooting 59% from the field and 41% from three. We'll get to his legacy in a minute, but first I want to talk about Jimmy Butler. He played 43 minutes per game in these finals. Remember, only sat 48 seconds of game five. And he averaged a near triple-double, 26 points, 8 rebounds, almost 10 assists per game, 2.2 steals per game as well. To me, this postseason put him in the conversation for top 10 players in the NBA. I think he is now. Now, he may be number 10. But nobody paid much attention to him early on in his career. He was unknown coming out of Marquette, 30th pick in the draft. Became an all-star in Chicago, but he was never the main story up there because Derrick Rose and his, and his injuries always overshadowed that. Always overshadowed Butler and his star status. Then he got traded to Minnesota and had that turmoil-filled time there with, with the practice incident. And for those of you who don't remember what I'm talking about, he requested a trade. It didn't happen immediately, so he didn't show up to practice for a while. But when he came back, he boldly verbally challenged teammates, coaches, and front office executives, targeting then-president of basketball operations and head coach Tom Thibodeau, general manager Scott Layden, and teammates including Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins. In scrimmage, he took all the bench players, like, end of the bench players. Some would go to the extent of calling them scrubs probably some of the G League players or the two-way players that they have, and he ran the table against the starters and marched out of practice. It was quite the entertaining story at the time, still is, and in a in an interview later that night, I believe it was from his apartment, Rachel Nichols interviewed him, and he did not, die, he did not deny any of it. <laughs> so that, that, that put some attention on him. Then he went to Philly, still was in the shadow of Simmons and Embiid. Then he went to Miami, and did what he did this year. He now has everyone's attention. I see him as a top 10 player in the league now. I can't wait to see what he has in store for himself and this Heat team next season because they are ready for sure to run it back. So Anthony Davis wins his first NBA championship. He becomes just the sixth player to win an NCAA and NBA championship, joining Kareem, Isaiah Thomas, Magic, Jordan, and Bill Russell. That is a pretty good list of players. And what this series, what this win, this championship for Anthony Davis proved to me about him is he's the, he's the best big man in the league. And it probably was before. We just didn't recognize or pay attention to it because he was in New Orleans. He never really got a lot of public notice down there. New Orleans is a small market. The Pelicans weren't very good. <laughs> they made the playoffs a few times as an eighth seed, lost to the Warriors. As a sixth seed, swept the Blazers in the first round, then lost to Golden State again in the second round. But Davis was great in all of those series. But it still wasn't the platform he deserved. Then things didn't work out in New Orleans. He ends up getting traded to probably best case scenario for him, the Lakers. Teams up with LeBron and he gets a lot more attention, more national TV games, more publicity, simply because he's in the city of Los Angeles and he's playing with LeBron. And he performed. He's still performed like a superstar 26 points per game the third highest single season average in his career nine rebounds three assists two blocks almost two and a half blocks 
Finished second in Defensive Player of the Year voting. Should have won the award in my opinion. Named an All-Star starter, but in the playoffs? In his first real playoff run, because the first time he lost to Golden State, the second time, even though they swept the Blazers, they had no expectations going up against the Warriors in the second round anyway. He showed up when they needed him most. 43 points in Game 5, the closeout game of the first round series against the Blazers, a 34.10 rebound double-double to even up the Houston series in Game 2 and really shift momentum. 37 points in Game 1 against Denver in the Western Conference Finals, the buzzer beater in Game 2, and then averaging 25 points per game in his first ever NBA Finals. That's some superstar stuff right there. Anthony Davis definitely put himself at the number one spot on the list of big men in our league. Not centers, but big men in general. AD is number one. He took down the guy who was battling for that spot with him, Nikola Jokic in the Western Conference Finals. And then there's Joel Embiid, Carl Anthony Towns. You could bring up guys like Porzingis, Bam Adebayo, Rudy Gobert. But AD now has NBA champion on his resume. And he is one of the best players in the league. Top five, arguably. He has a player option. He could be a free agent this offseason. It is likely that he will decline his $28 million option and re-sign with LA. I mean, he'd be kind of dumb not to, but we'll see. How about Dwight Howard adding to his Hall of Fame resume? Yes. To me, that championship solidified him as a Hall of Famer. He now has one championship, three-time. He's a three-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner, eight-time All-Star, eight-time member of the All-NBA teams, five-time first team, five-time All-Defensive team member, four-time first team. uh, Five-time rebounding leader and two-time blocks leader. I am so happy he finally won. He found the perfect role for himself to revive his career in LA because he was headed nowhere, playing for Atlanta, Charlotte, Washington. He was with Brooklyn for like a day and then they waved him. He never played a game for them. He was what they, he, he ended up becoming what they call a journeyman. He went all over the place after his time in LA the first time and then Houston, but LeBron James, should we talk about him? Yeah, we probably should. He and Jordan are the only players ever with four or more regular season MVPs and finals MVPs. LeBron is the first player ever to win finals MVP with three different teams. After this season, after what LeBron did at age 35 in year 17, I put him on my all-time list at, ready for it? Number two. Yep, still behind Jordan. I don't know if he can ever catch Jordan. I know this is everybody's go-to argument, but there's a reason it is. LeBron has lost in the finals as many times as Jordan has won. I don't know how you pass him with a stat like that. You you just can't, I don't think. Getting one or two more might help. One or two more championships might help even himself with Jordan almost to the same level as Jordan, but he'll never be better than MJ. That's just my opinion. But I think he is number two all time. At number three, mm, it's a toss-up for me between Magic, Kareem, and Kobe. Three Lakers. I don't feel like going into the top ten. That's an episode for another day. When I have nothing to talk about in the offseason, I may rank my ten best players all time and currently. Actually, you know what? I am going to do that. I don't know when, but I will do that eventually. But for now, it's MJ1, LeBron 2. I don't think that will ever change. I don't think LeBron will pass Jordan. And I don't think there will be anyone better than those two in the future. So an unforgettably incredible and memorable season comes to an end, perhaps the most memorable ever. 
the longest season in NBA history. It ends with a fifth seed, the Miami Heat heading home, but with their heads held high, they had an improbable run to the finals. Led by future Hall of Fame coach Eric Spolstra, who had his team believing every single night. And then their leader on the court, Jimmy Butler, one of the most underrated players in the NBA, who found the perfect fit for his leadership style. He fit perfectly into the Miami culture, as he led a team that wouldn't have even had home court advantage in the first round had it been the traditional playoffs, with a mix of veterans and young stars with inspiring stories. And the things they accomplished were nothing short of amazing. They were the third lowest seed to ever make a finals. They won nine playoff games as the underdog, tied for the most in the last 30 seasons. They were 5-1 and one in playoff games decided by five points or less. And their roster was made up of two former junior college players and a D3 player, as well as only one former top 10 pick. As for the Lakers, high expectations are always apparent, and when you have LeBron James and trade for Anthony Davis, those expectations are raised to an unthinkable degree. The tragic death of perhaps the greatest player in franchise history, one of the all-time legends Kobe Bryant rocked the franchise, but also motivated them toward their ultimate goal, winning a championship and doing it for him. But right as the Lakers were hitting their stride, the league suspended play in March. Wednesday, March 11th at 9.31 p.m. Eastern Time, a tweet from Woj saying, quote, the NBA season has been suspended, left so much doubt and fear and uncertainty regarding not just the NBA season, but the sports world. The NBA was the first league in the domino effect across all sports to take a break amid the coronavirus pandemic. But then the bubble became a reality in Orlando, Lake Buena Vista, Florida. And the Lakers were ready. Their play at first seemed shaky, but the inevitability of LeBron James in the playoffs proved true once again as he claimed his fourth NBA title and fourth finals MVP. And he now becomes the first player to win finals MVP with three different teams. His teammate Anthony Davis, his first year in the bright lights of LA, dominated on both ends of the floor, making cases for MVP and defensive player of the year. And although he didn't win either, he showed up in the biggest moments and won his first NBA championship. The Lakers now have their 17th NBA title, tied for the most all-time with their rival, the Boston Celtics. Further testament to one of the greatest, if not the greatest, rivalry in sports history. Congratulations to the 2020 NBA champions, the Los Angeles Lakers. This year will never be forgotten, and neither will this team.